Welcome to the Mental Dietitian Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Lynch-Potter, just a guy who's trying to live a great life and learn the best way to live it. This show is for the everyday human being that feels exactly how I feel, and every week I'll be bringing you weekly episodes on how to get better mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, and financially so you can have a great mental diet. Welcome back to the Mental Dietitian Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Lynch-Potter. This is episode 81, and it's called The True Self versus The False Self. The reason I'm doing this episode is it has come up a lot with clients that I'm coaching lately, and I wanted to give you this insight because it can be very, very valuable knowing the difference between your true self and your false self. Now, let's define what a false self is and what a true self is. So a false self, from my experience, especially coaching people, is usually a defense mechanism which was created usually growing up, and that defense mechanism kind of works its way through your life, which usually creates some sort of suffering. So a false self would be the way you show up in certain situations, things that you do which cause an internal battle. And the internal battle is between the false self and the true self. False self is usually, like I said, some kind of defense mechanism. So from my own example, my false self, which was kind of like a splintered version of myself, an avatar um, that I created of myself was till I was about 27, from the ages of probably about 13, 14, till I was about 27, 28, I would would be the person that I thought that you would like. So what I would do is I would say things, do things, make certain jokes. My sense of humor was wrapped around self-deprecating style sense of humor, which is an interesting one because... I'm getting validation for people laughing at me because I'm funny. And, but on the flip side, I'm hurting my true self because I'm shitting on myself. So it's this strange thing where I'm kind of getting what I want, which is like respect, attention, validation, this kind of stuff. But on the other side, there's this feeling of like, oh, you're shitting on yourself and people are laughing about it. So it must be true. So therefore I didn't feel good after it. So that's a, that's a little example of the false self and my own personal example and my own personal experience. The true self is, well, you know what it is. You know what it is. And people are like, well, I'm not, I'm not sure. Yes, you do. You do know. But maybe you just are afraid because your entire life, your entire identity maybe even relationships with friends, maybe even the the relationship with your spouse, maybe even who you are at work is all wrapped around the false self. And this is very common. I've seen it many times when people start their healing journey where maybe life gives them some kind of event, whether or not it is divorce, losing a job, addiction, Maybe they go to some plant medicine ceremony in the middle of the jungle and they realize that they've been living as a false self for so many years and that's not who they really are. But I always look at people and talk to clients. I'm like, you know, 
you know that you know, even like you just are not admitting it because it's scary. You know what your true self is. You know what feels good, what feels in alignment. Whatever is not in alignment in your life will feel very forced. You won't get energy from it. You'll feel tired. Whatever is in alignment will give you energy. You would do it for free. You lose track of time. You you tap into flow state. So that's the difference between the false self and the true self. The true self, which is what I, as a coach, I, I my goal is to talk to the true self, the truest version of you. Here's the problem with my my personal experience. What I did is I had this false self, and I hope you're watching this on YouTube because I use my hands and how I explain things. And hopefully, if you're not watching it on YouTube, go look at me on YouTube and I explain things, I use hands, I use analogies, things like that. So say this is the, the false self and what people like and what people have gotten used to. What I did is I would weave in versions of my true self into the false self. So it would kind of go like this. So it was almost emerged, entangled, intertwined, like a symbiotic relationship. So sometimes you're like, well, I think that's me, like the real version of me. And then there's the false version of me, which I have, me, mine was people pleasing for a very long time is I used to think that by telling people the truth, even though it's the truth and I know it will upset them, I would rather not tell them the truth because what the reality was is I was uncomfortable myself. I was actually being selfish, incredibly selfish. I was uncomfortable with the feeling that I would have created within myself by having that conversation with them. So I'm actually putting my feelings before theirs. And it's a very interesting thing. It's like, well, no, I'm not. I care about that person. I don't want to hurt them. Well, no, what's actually going on is you are imagining how you will feel by having that conversation with them and how it will make you feel, not them. And somebody explained that to me once and it blew my mind. I was like, oh my God. This whole time, <clears throat> I thought I was in quotations helping people. When in reality, I was actually being disrespectful because what if that person needs to hear that? And I'm, I'm holding back from maybe sharing something with them in a loving, compassionate way, not going out of my way maliciously to hurt somebody but in a loving, compassionate way of being like, hey, there's something I need to have a conversation with you about and it might be fairly uncomfortable, but I need to have the conversation with you because I think that you need to be aware of it. And that's a fine line too, because sometimes you can go too far that way and just think everybody else is the problem except yourself. And this is where knowing the true self and knowing the false self is very important. And it takes time to really develop the relationship with the true self. It does. Because here's why. I was working with a client recently. And they are like, well, I don't trust my true self. It's like, yes, because maybe for 10, 15, 20 years, you haven't listened to it. And we could stem back to a time when they were about seven or eight years old, where there was a time where the true self wanted to do one thing and the false self, which was trying to get love and acceptance from their parents, that that's when that splintering occurred. That's when that 
Well, I either say this, which is what I really want to say as a child, or I get love and acceptance from my parents. That's when that split occurs. That was just for this one particular person. That's when the split occurred for them. And it's just, that's just a, a tiny little example. And these splits occur many, many times in our life. And it's very interesting because you have to develop that relationship with the true self. And with my own example is I had to let part of myself die. I had to let the defense mechanisms that had kept me safe when I was younger, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, all these times where I acted a certain way, which caused a lot of anxiety. I believe that one cause of anxiety, and not all causes, there's many, I'm not going to make general statements about anything, but what I've noticed with myself and with clients that I've coached is that anxiety is caused sometimes with the the fighting between the true self and the false self, these defense mechanisms that were designed to keep you safe. Maybe you had to act a certain way to get your parents' love. Maybe you had to act a certain way or or fight growing up because you're in an abusive, unsafe environment, whatever it may be. But there's the true self and they bang into each other like this. And that's what I've found within myself and within my clients that is causing anxiety and this feeling of like, I want to do that, that thing. But I don't know if it's because of my, my true self wants to do it or that maybe this wounded traumatized defense mechanism is attracted to that particular thing. So for example, say you have social anxiety and you just don't like being around people, right? And you get invited to a party and you love all the people there. Like, you know, who's going, like, you know, who's going and you're like, man, that'll be cool. Like great people, caring people. It's going to be a great environment. There's the true self, like, yeah, that could be great opportunities. Maybe you're you're starting a new job and there's people there that you know that have good connections or whatever it may be. But then there's the another feeling of like, oh, I don't want to go. I don't like people. I don't like that. Now, if you don't know your true self, right, and you're not really tapped into that, tapped into that intuition, what can occur is you'll be like, oh, I just don't want to go to that. That's who I am. I don't like crowds. I don't like people. That's just who I am. Well, in my opinion, that would be the perfect example of the false self hijacking the true self. Because then if you don't go to that particular event, you might have this internal battle, this kind of uneasy feeling of like, well, part of me does want to go, but part of me doesn't want to go. And how do I differentiate between the true self, which is the most aligned version of yourself, expansive, love? It's 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 really dialed in, that true version of yourself. And it's a very, it's a deep knowing. But if we've got this false self, these defense mechanisms, these stories that constantly have been going on since we were young, young people, young kids, teenagers, even early adulthood, and they all layer on top of each other, then that story can feel very strong. And maybe you're like, well, that's me. That's why, especially when I coach people, especially anybody listening to this, is the 
the journey of untangling these this false self and the true self. And in my journey, I got to see the false self many times when I would enter the psychedelic kind of spaces that I've been in through breath work as well. And even when even doing like cold plunging and things like that, I get to bump up against the stories and watch the stories that occur in my mind and realize that they're actually not true, which allows me to dissolve them and be like, oh, that's actually not true. But my identity was based on that story. I used to think for many years that money equaled safety. And I have come to realize that money is not safety. It can provide a certain feeling of safety if you have a lot of it. What I found is that the more money I made, I, I went from making $5,000 a month in sales. I, meant, I remember making $7,000 a month and I hit $10,000 a month. Then I hit 15,000 and then 20,000 and 25,000. And one month I made $35,000. And I was hyper anxious. It, the more money I made, the more this battle of the true self and the false self kind of amplified. It got worse and worse and worse. And the true self was like, hey, man, this isn't the answer to this thing that you thought it was. This constant striving to make more and more money, which was coming from a place from me, which was the defense mechanism of growing up with parents that did fight about money. And I believe that if if there had been more money in the household, maybe the the relationship would have been different, but it wasn't because as Peter Crone says, the past is the past and it could have hap- couldn't have happened any other way because it didn't. It sounds like a simple statement, but it's like it couldn't have happened any other way because it didn't. Full stop, end of story. Sit with that. So you could go back and try and change the past in your mind, but that just causes suffering. The past is the past. Couldn't have happened any other way because it didn't. Boom. I love that saying. And there's part of me that grew up and been like, and saw this as a young person, be like, well, if I make a bunch of money, maybe I could save these people. Maybe I could save my mom and my dad. Maybe I could save the people around me. So I put that responsibility on my back. Nobody told me to. I created this myself. That's the crazy thing about your traumas, your defense mechanisms, your stories, is you create them all yourself. But there are outside forces which help create that thing inside of you, but it's still created inside of you. It's still something that you create within yourself, which means if you create it within yourself, you can also break down those bars of this story, of this perspective, which are keeping you stuck and suffering. Therefore, you can change your life. So it was about when I was 27 is I was making this crazy money per month. And I was like, why am I so anxious? Why, why can I, it was so bad. And that's when I first went to a men's weekend. That's when I first kind of used psychedelics in a therapeutic setting, in a supportive setting, not in a recreational setting. And that's really when I really started to develop and nurture that relationship with the true self, which he was there all along. He's been, 
He's been coming in and out of my life. He's been guiding me the whole time as best he possibly can. But there was also these very strong stories and these very strong bars that I put up in the prison of my own perspective. And there's still some there, still some limiting beliefs around certain things. And this will be a constant unfolding, a constant journey. But now I know that there's nothing wrong with me and there never was anything wrong with me. And the stories and the beliefs that I had about me not being enough were just that, stories that I can rewrite the narrative, I can rewrite these things. But it also puts me in a place now where when I'm coaching people or having these conversations or sharing this perspective on this podcast, that I can communicate it effectively because I went through it. Your story and what you go through will be your greatest asset if you choose it to be. Think about all the business people, all these billionaires, all these whatever people that have podcasts and things like that. They've all got cool stories of of struggling. It's like Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey. It's like the cave you fear to enter, the cave you are terrified to enter, the one you know, you know it's there. You bump into it sometimes. Somebody will be having a conversation in it, and you'll feel a certain way. The cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. I found that in my own personal journey, the things that I was so terrified of facing on the other side of that was the freedom and peace and the 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 confidence and the intuition and the power that I'd given to other people. It was all on the other side of these fears, of these fears around being alone or dying or all of this stuff. It was all on the other side of that. But you cannot bypass it. You have to go down into the cave. You have to go into the darkness because that's where your true self is. So false self, true self. Be mindful of it. It's there for a lot of us. There's even some times where I I, I feel it come up because I'm like, oh, I don't feel safe right now. I got to say this to this person in this way so that they think this. It still happens to me. It still happens sometimes but it's happening less and less and less. And the more I step into my power and the more I step into myself, the more I'm noticing that the universe is just giving me things. And for a long time, I had this belief, it's another belief that if I'm not scared, then I won't be motivated. And I would almost create scenarios where I would have a scarcity mindset, where I'd have my back against the wall so that I could get motivated. And when things were going well, I felt like I wasn't motivated, which was actually, I felt safe for the first time. And then I was like, oh, I need to feel unsafe so that I can have motivation again. And if that rings true to you, good. And if you're not sure what to do, reach out to me. I'm starting out my business right now. I'm offering any person six free coaching sessions, six. And after the fourth, fifth session, I'll ask you how it's going, how you like it. And if you want to continue on it, I can go over my pricing and things like that. And if you don't want to continue with it, you got six free sessions. We made friends with each other. Hopefully I can add some value to you. I know that I can. I know that my story has allowed me to alchemize all this stuff so that I can speak to the true self in other people because it 
I've, I've gone down this journey within myself and I'm still on the path. I'll always be on the path. So I love you guys. Hope this episode helped. Please reach out to me on Instagram. You know where I am. Aaron Lynch Potter. If you're not following me, please follow me and I'll chat to you guys soon. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Mental Dietitian Podcast. If you found any value at all, please share this with a family member or a friend or just a guy or a gal walking down the street, just anybody at all, if you feel like it could help them and benefit them from the conversations that we're having. It would mean the world to me if you could also leave a review. It helps grow the show. It helps the algorithms. And I also do love connecting with my listeners. So please reach out to me on social media. The best way to get a hold of me is through Instagram. And my Instagram handle is Aaron Lynch Potter. And that's spelled A-H-R-E-N-L-Y-N-C-H-P-O-T-T-E-R. Thank you so much once again.